1 John chapter 3. We're preaching on the love of God this morning. And since Randy's already taken my introduction with all that, I think we'll just go right into the message. No, I'm just playing. It's a wonderful uh, song. I asked him to sing that for us. I, I appreciate him singing it so much. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3. We're going to talk about what manner of love. What manner of love. Let's all stand. We'll read it. been sitting a little while. Let's all stand. We'll read it. And then I'll have prayer and you can be seated. This to me is some of the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. I love it. it just the way that it, it sounds, it, it's beautiful. But the thought of it, it really blesses my heart. And I, I want to be an encouraged. Have any of you had a rough week? Sometimes we have those weeks, you know, and, and you listen to the, the news and all these things. and get, It can be discouraging, right? Well, today, I want us to focus on this thought. What manner of love? What manner of love? Behold, what manner of love the Father had. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us <clears throat> that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you, uh, Lord, but above that, God, we are thankful uh, and grateful that you loved us. God, we know we never deserve that. Lord, we know we can never earn that. But Lord, we are grateful and thankful for it. Now, Lord, we pray as we bring this message, God, this this, this, these verses, Lord, we pray that it would speak to us. Lord, we pray your word would pierce our hearts. Uh, God, I pray to encourage us to know that you love us. Lord, I pray it would uh, maybe convict some in here that have not accepted and received that love, and today would be the day they would receive you as their Savior. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd just speak through me. Use me, Lord. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage is sort of the key to this passage. You can find it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. It's, in verse 10 it says, In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. And so in this passage it's, it's, it's talking to us about the difference between a true child of God and somebody that may profess it, may be a false teacher. And one of the ways we can know that is because we've experienced the love of God in our lives. Uh, people do some crazy things looking for love, don't they? I was reading an article the other day about this man that had, uh, him and his girlfriend or whatever it was had broken up with him and he wanted to win her back. And so he decided he was going to try and get her sympathy. And he thought, well, if I got shot, maybe she would, she would be sympathetic toward me and come back. So this guy comes up with this plan. And his plan was to have his friend come to this park and shoot him. Now, this, why did he not shoot himself? You know, that's a question we might ask. Well, the reason is that he was a, he was a convict, and that would be stupid for him to be around guns as a convict, right? You know? That's the part he thought was foolish in all of this plan, was that he wouldn't, but anyway. So, he asked his friend, come to the park, and I don't know if this is a good friend or a bad friend. Somebody that would do something like that for you, that's asking a lot of them, but somebody that would actually do it, I don't know if that's a good friend. But he came and shot the guy, and he was supposed to, the plan was to shoot him three times. He shot him once, and he couldn't do it again. He's like, this is crazy, and he took off. They took him to the hospital, and you know who did not show up at the hospital? His ex, his girlfriend, right? You know, who did show up at the hospital? The police. That was not a good thing that he had done. So we're all, you know, that's really what we're all looking for. 
We're all looking for love. And, and you find it a lot. You find it with, with young people. You find it with adults. You find it with everybody. You know, why is it that people seek the, the things that they seek in this world and, and all of these things that get them off track and, 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 and ruin their lives, actually, is that we're all seeking love. And where is the only place that we can truly find love? Jesus, or the Bible here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, says that God is love. And the true source of all love must come, first and foremost, from God the Father. And in this passage, he describes it to us. He describes this love that he has for us. Uh, and, and look at verse number 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The first thing we're going to look about this love is that God's love is precious. I mean, because amen to that. God's love is precious. This speaks about what we are. Uh, this speaks about our position. Uh, you can use that word we talked about in Sunday school, the word justification. The fact that God's love is precious puts us in a certain position. Notice what it says. It tells us some things here. It says, behold, what manner of love. The first thing is God's love, it demands our attention. Notice that first word. It says, behold. That means his love is saying, see me, know me. It wants us to pay attention to know that God loves you. Hey, if you catch nothing else from the message today, catch this. God loves you. Behold. Hey, listen up. See, know this. God loves you. That ought to put a smile on your face. If nothing else does, the fact that God loves you ought to make you smile. Uh, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, we need to grasp this concept. God loves us. Hey, you might have some disappointments in your life, but that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. God still loves you. You might have some discouragements in your life. Let me tell you something. Listen, behold, God loves you. Hey, you might have some doubts going on in your life. God loves you anyway. Isn't it wonderful to know that behold, God loves you. You might have some temptations going on in your life. I don't know what your temptation is, but you have some temptations going on. And sometimes, you know, you have those things happen, and sometimes we fail. We fall to those, don't we? We, we, we think, man, God, God can't love me. But let me tell you something. Behold, God loves you. Hey, maybe you got some trials going on in your life right now, some things that you just don't understand that you're going through, and and man, I, I've thought about some people that are going through some hard times, some, some illnesses and some things like that. And man, it can mess us up, can it? I mean, it can get us off track and we forget. And sometimes we forget. We don't look and say, behold, you know what? Even in all these trials, even in all this sickness, even in all these things, God loves me. Hey, in the test that we go through, you ever been tested? <laughs> some of you kids, you're back in school now, right? Amen. You excited about that? No. All right. <laughs> Have any tests this week? Tests, they'd be difficult sometimes. Hey, sometimes we don't understand tests. Uh, sometimes we forget things that we ought to know, know for tests, don't we? But we, we test. Remember, behold, even in those times. You know, can I just be transparent for a second? Man, sometimes you go through some tests and you wonder, does God love me? Anybody in here feel that way? Well, let me tell you something. We've got God's word on it. Behold, listen, God loves you. It demands our attention. Hey, in our victories, sometimes we, can, sometimes we, we, we get high on ourselves and we forget, you know what, it's all because God loves me. In our defeats, we need to remember God loves you. Hey, He loves us no matter what we're going through. 
So the first thing is, behold, it demands our attention. The second thing is it's beyond description. Look, it says, behold, what manner of love. That word, what manner, it means out of this world. It literally means from what country. It, it's the idea of something that's foreign. It's something that we can't completely understand. It's not, it's not like any other love. It's, it's unique. God's love for you. What manner. It's unique. Uh, and it's, it, it's unique in its quantity and its quality, its number and its nature. Uh, God's love is uh, beyond description for us. Well, let me give you a few things to describe it right quick, okay? Since we can't. <laughs> it's eternal. Jeremiah 31.3 says that He's loved us with an everlasting love. Do you realize that before the beginning of this world, before you were thought of, before you were born, God loved you? You. Hey, do you realize this? That, 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 that in eternity future, God loves you. His love for you is eternal. Hey, God's love for you, it's unconditional. Uh, look at Romans with me. Turn over to Romans. I, I just want to read this passage. I like this passage. Romans chapter 8. In verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As is written, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, isn't that wonderful to know that God's love for us is unconditional? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Hey, it's incomprehensible. We cannot fathom it. We cannot understand it. You know, I, I was thinking about it, and you, you can write down Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. We won't look at that right now, but you can write those down and we'll look at it later. But I was thinking about this, this idea of I, I, we can't understand it. We, we, do, you under, do you realize... The object of God's love? It's you and I. It's us. Hey, you know what we are? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the, we're, the, we're the enemies of God. How many you know it's hard, to, it's hard to love your enemy sometimes? Anybody in here got that problem besides me? You know, it's, it's tough, right? But you know what God did? God loved us. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 8 that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, that's the love that he has for us. It's beyond description. Uh, number three here. So it, it demands our attention. It's beyond description. Uh, number, uh, letter C, we do not deserve it. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath, what does the next word say? Bestowed. That word bestowed, it means to gift. It, it means it is something that is unearned. It means it's something that is unmerited. It's, it's something that we can never earn or, 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 or deserve is this love of God is bestowed. It's a gift. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. You know this verse, right? But the, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. What is, what is John 3, 16? We all know that one, right? For God so loved the world that He gave. Hey, this, this love that we have, it's a gift. God gives it to us. Uh, what do you have to do to earn, Brother Lamar turns 80 today. What does he have to do to earn his, his presence for his 80th birthday? We just get older, just live another day, right? You do nothing to earn a gift. For Christmas, do you earn your Christmas? You know, I, I was wondering about this the other day. If, 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 if Santa has a naughty and nice list, does that not mean that you have to sort of earn that? That's not really a gift. This is something you earned, right? 
But anyway, I, I think that's, there's something wrong with that. But a gift, you don't earn a gift. And that's the way God's love is. You can never earn it. You can never deserve it. You know what that does for me? That makes me feel secure in God. I don't have to, I can't earn it, I can't lose it. Uh, because it's, it's a gift. It's something that has been bestowed. It's something that we can never earn or deserve. Number, letter D here. It determines our family. Look at it. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Look at verse number 2. It says, now, uh, it says Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Because of God's love, we have been placed, we've been adopted into His family. The Bible teaches us in John chapter 1, verse 12, that, that all that believe, uh, He gave power to become the sons of God. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about how we can cry out with the spirit of adoption and say, Abba, Father, do you realize that God takes you and places you in His family because He loves you? Look at Ephesians chapter 1 with me. This is a beautiful passage, Ephesians chapter 1. Or Ephesians chapter 2, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to notice this change that takes place because of the love of God. It says, And you at the quickened who were dead, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air that worketh now, uh, that now worketh in the, what is it? The children of disobedience. So what are we? We're the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past and lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, look at what it says, the children of wrath, even as others. So what are we? We're dead. We're the children of disobedience. We're the children of wrath. That's what we're born into this world as. And, and, and God, uh, he, he, he sees us like this, and what does He do? Well, look at the next verse. This is His love. But God, who is rich in mercy, notice this phrase, for His great love, wherewith He loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, then the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and the kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So what does He do? He sees us. We're children of wrath. We're children of disobedience. And He doesn't leave us like that. He loves us and He places us in His family right alongside His Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful love? Now, I'm proud, I'm proud to be a Cofield. I try to uphold that name. I try to do good by that name. Um, I, I, would, I would hate to do anything to bring low that name, but I'll tell you this, I'm more proud to be a child of God. I'm placed into that family. Hey, He has called us His sons and His daughters. This is who we are. Remember what we said that... that God's love is precious. what we are. This is who we are. This, listen to me, young people. This is where you need to receive your identity. In Christ. Not in this world, but in Christ. The fact that God loves you. You are a child of God. That ought to mean something to you. The way that you live because you are a child of God. I, I was thinking about this this week, and I, I saw this picture that my, my sister had of a, of a coffee mug. And most of you know... Um, my sister, uh, they're missionaries in South Africa, and uh, y'all know Tyler and Chase, her sons. Well, they're adopted. Um, their mom had some issues with alcohol and some drugs and some things like that. And there was a time when, when she, had, she had gotten in trouble with the law and the boys were going to be taken away and they didn't know who was going to keep them. I think, I think Kevin, her, her brother, Alicia, Kevin, her brother was in 
South Africa at the time. I think Jeremy might have been in Peru at the time, wasn't he? And so they didn't know who was going to take him. And Mark, my brother-in-law being Mark, uh, the way he is, he, he, he said, we'll take him. I don't, know, I don't think he asked my sister or anything. He just said, we're going to take him, all right? And they thought this was going to be a temporary thing, you know? And, and they thought it was just going to be a temporary thing, and they would be back with Alicia eventually and all that. Well, it ended up taking longer, and they kept him for longer and longer. And um, They actually took him over when they went to South Africa. They took him to South Africa with them and going through the adoption process and all these things. And uh, Alicia, their mother... Uh, she passed away because of the, the lifestyle and the habit. And so they became, they, they went from being in that situation to being in a situation where they have family that's serving the Lord on the mission field. And I saw this, this mug. Tyler gave it to my sister. And it said this. It says, I love that you are my mom. Man, isn't that awesome? This boy... Probably didn't have much of a chance. If he, if he grew up and continued in that way, followed his mother's footsteps. But somebody loved him. They took him into their house, made him their child. Uh, and now Tyler is training at the, the training center for missions and is planning to be a missionary and go around the world and take the gospel. Isn't that awesome? Well, let me tell you something a little more awesome than that. God, he saw you. He saw me. And he loved us. And he's going to take us and place us into his family. Isn't it wonderful to know that we can be called a child of God? So it determines our family. But also, it makes us different to the world. It makes us different to the world. Look at your Bible again in, in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The world knoweth us not. Hey, that's why we shouldn't care about what this world thinks about us people. I mean, we're going to be a little different. If, if, if you are a child of God, the world's not going to understand you. Why? Because they didn't understand Him when He came. The Bible says in, in John chapter 1, verse 10, that He came into this world, Jesus. Now, Jesus came into this world. He is the manifestation of God's love, right? You with me? Jesus, the love of God, came into this world that He created. The Bible says that He created and the world knew Him not. Hey, look, we're going to be a little different in this world. This world's not going to understand you. If you experience God's love, you've been placed in His family, you'll be a little different. The world's not going to get it. Hey, the world's not going to understand why you love Him the way that you do. Hey, it's going to be crazy. Why do you go to church every Sunday? What's wrong with you? You know, I mean, don't you have other things you would rather do? Aren't there more important? Well, no, listen, God loves me so much. He sent His Son to die for me. Man, I love Him, and I want to be in, I want to be in church. That's going to make you a little different to the world, isn't it? Hey, this world's not going to understand why, why you want to read your Bible. Isn't that just, that's just old fairy tales, right? That, that stuff's not really true. Well, let me tell you something. This is true. This is God's love letter to me, and I love to read it because it's God, because uh, I love God, and this world's not going to understand me. Hey, this world's not going to understand why you dress and talk and act differently from the world. They're going to say, what's wrong with you? What's, why are you that way? Well, look, I love God, and I'm going to be a little different. Hey, they're not going to understand why you serve the Lord. People don't understand. We got those, those, those lights back there of different missionaries that we serve. Today, Brother Jeremy Hall, or tonight, Brother Jeremy Hall is going to come preach for us. He, he lives over in South Africa and ministers in South Africa. And people don't get that. Why did you do that? Why did you throw away? You could have done this or that or whatever. But let me tell you something. He realizes that God loves him. And he loves God. And he wants to serve him. 
Hey, why is it that you witness? Why is it that you love others? It's because God loves you. And that makes you different to this world. They're not going to understand your love uh, for Him. You know, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, and in Hebrews chapter 11, it calls us strangers and pilgrims. A lot of our problem is that we aren't living that way in this world today. Hey, we've become way too used to it. Hey, we're, 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 too, we're too comfortable in it. And the Bible tells us, that because of the manner of love, the world knoweth us not. So the first thing we see is that God's love is precious. We see God's love is precious. It talks about what we are, our position in Christ. The second thing we see, and we'll cover these points real quick, God's love comes with a promise. God's love comes with a promise. Look at verse number 2. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. God's love comes with a promise. Now, the first one, it talks about what we are, our position in Christ. Well, this uh, verse, it teaches us what we shall be, and it talks about that prospect, that promise that we have. It talks about our future glorification. I want you to notice that first word of this verse. I like it. It says, beloved. Think about this. God calls you His beloved. Now, I know some of you young people, you wish, you just wish that boy would call you his beloved, don't you? Oh, if, if, if Tommy just said he loved me, I would be, I would, oh. Some of, you, some of you guys, you probably think that girl, you see her and she's so beautiful. Oh, if she just, if, if I could just be her beloved. And that's all good and wonderful. Probably not, but it's all good and wonderful. But you know, more important than that is that God loves you. And that's what God says about you. You know, there, some of you might say some bad things about you, but God, God says you are his beloved. Notice what it says. It says, beloved, now are we the sons of God. It's talking about that position, okay? Because of your position, because of the fact that God loves you, and because of the fact that you've been placed into his family as a son of God, a child of God, what does he promise you? He gives us some promises. This is our prospect. Look at verse number 2. It says, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Here's his promise. This is not all that we have to look forward to. Isn't that a good thought? This is not it. Hey, this is not all that we have. We don't know exactly what we're going to be like, but we know it's not going to be like this. This is not all that we have. We have much more to look forward to. It does not yet appear what we shall be. Uh, you know, I, I, some of us have some aches and some pains. Well, that's not going to be what it's going to be like forever. Hey, our bodies are decaying. That's not what it's going to be like forever. We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but it's not going to be like this. But there are some things we know. But we know. Look at two things we know. We know that Jesus is coming again. Look at what it says. But we know when He shall appear. Hey, this is a promise. He loves us. He's coming again to get us. Hey, when He shall appear. Let me tell you a few things about the second coming, all right? Number one, it is certain. He says He shall come again. Hey, John believed it, and so should we. Number two, it is close. Uh, Revelation chapter 22. I like the way that the Bible ends. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. It says, He which testifies these things, Jesus said this, Surely I Come quickly. Hey, it's, it, it's close. Jesus is coming again. And what is, what, how, how, does, how does John respond to that? He said, what does he say? He says, amen. It's a good word, right? He says, amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. That ought to be our attitude. Lord, come quickly. I know there are some people who are saying he's coming yesterday. I'm still here. He didn't come. I, I, I know I'm saved. He, he, he didn't come yesterday. But he could have. 
It wouldn't surprise me. He's coming again. He's given us this promise. And this, these things, I know some people get so scared. They get frightened by this idea of the second coming of Christ. But what is it meant to be? In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he's talking about the Lord's going to come. He's going to descend from heaven. And there's going to be a shout and the archangel. And it says that we'll be called up together to be with him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And, and all these things are going on. And what does it say in verse 18? It says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So the, the, the second coming should be a comfort to us. The fact that Jesus is coming again for us. And then lastly here, it's certain, it's close, it's comforting. It should compel us. It should compel us to tell others. Hey, how many of you know somebody that if the Lord came today, they'd miss that? Hey, we need to be witnessing each and every day, telling others about Jesus coming again. So we know that Jesus is coming. And the second thing we know, look at verse number, chapter 3, verse 1, or verse 2. It says, But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. So we don't know exactly what we're going to be. That's what it said. But we do know this. We're going to be just like Him. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I was, I was preaching that, that passage at Brother Rob's uh, mother's funeral the other day, and it talked about how we groan in our bodies. Um, Philippians, look at Philippians. I, I like this verse. Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 21. It says, who shall change our vile body? Any of y'all ever feel that way sometimes, like your body's just breaking down? Anybody in here besides me? I'm 40 and I'm feeling it already, amen? And your hearing goes, your sight, you know, your knees, your back starts hurting. What in the world? But notice what it says. Because we're talking about we shall be like him. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even just to do all things unto himself. You know, some of us, we look at our bodies, we think, no way, my body ain't going to be like that, right? But one day it says that he's able to do all things unto himself. Jesus, God, he can take care of all that. One day we're going to be just like Jesus. Because of his love, we have this promise. Look back at your text, 1 John chapter 3. Let me add this one more. We, we, we're gonna, we're gonna, Jesus is coming again. We will be changed. We will be with Jesus. We will be with Christ. It says, and we shall see him as he is. We'll be with him forever. So we see God's love is precious. We see God's love comes with a promise. And thirdly, we see God's love purifies. Look at verse number three. It says, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So the first thing we talked about was God's love is precious. It's what we are. It's our position in Christ. The second thing was God's love comes with a promise and what we shall be. It's our prospect in Christ. But this one, it's where it really comes down to where we live, all right? It's God's love purifies. It's what we should be, and it's our practice. This speaks of our sanctification. Uh, what is this hope it's talking about? And every man hath this hope in him. It's the idea, the prospect of being like Christ one day. We have that hope of one day being like Jesus. It's speaking about our position, the fact that we are in Christ. And, and so our position and our prospect should affect our everyday practice. So what are some practical applications from this? Let's look at it. What are some things that we should do because of the love of God that we have and the promise we have in that? It says, in every man, this includes all born-again believers. 
Hey, every man ought to do this. Every man ought to purify themselves. It doesn't leave anybody out. Every man, every person that has this hope in him, that's everybody that's been born again. A lot of times we like to think that's for the missionary, that's for the pastor, or that's, that's crazy Christian over there, you know, that fanatical one. No, it's for every man. It says that every man that hath this hope in him, what do they do? It says they purify, purifieth himself. Because of the hope I have of one day being just like Jesus, I ought to make every effort today to be like him today. Jesus, listen, Jesus is to be the goal of our life. Hey, being like Him should be our goal, what we strive for. Now, some may say, well, that's impossible. Jesus was perfect. I can never be perfect. Well, look at what it says. And every man that hath this hope in Him. Hey, because of the fact that you have Jesus in you, uh, you, you, have, you, you can be purified. Listen, you have a hope in you. You have the hope of the second coming of Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Hey, you have Jesus in you. And because of that, you have God's love in you. And because of that, you can overcome those battles, those temptations. You can purify yourself. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, a lot of times we make excuses for our sins, don't we? We justify them. We'll say, hey, I'm not perfect. I never can be. Well, let me tell you something. You have Jesus in you. You can be perfect. You can live for God. You have that ability. When you choose not to, that's your fault. We can live for the Lord Jesus. That doesn't seem like many people agree with that statement I just made there. Hey, we can be. We can live a life that glorifies God and is pure because we have Jesus living in us if we yield to Him. It's a matter of our yieldingness to Him. Warren Wiersbe said it like this. I like Warren Wiersbe. He said this, and I thought this was very convicting. He says, An unbeliever who sins is a creature sinning against his Creator. Isn't that an awful thing? To sin against your Creator. But notice this next phrase. A Christian who sins is a child sinning against his father. The unbeliever sins against the law. The believer sins against love. Each time we sin, we're sinning against the love of God. Some teenagers were out on the town having a good time. There were several of them together. And they decided they were going to go to this bar or club that they knew would have alcohol and bad things going on. And one of the young ladies that was in the vehicle with them was a Christian. And she told her friends, she said, could y'all please take me home? I, I don't need to go to this. I, I don't need to go home. And one of the girls said, why? They want to ask her why. And they said, well, why? Are you afraid that you will, your, your father will hurt you? He'll punish you. And the girl replied this. She said, no. I'm not afraid my father will hurt me. I'm afraid I might hurt him. And that's what the love of God is all about. That's why we should live a holy life. That's why we should live a pure life. Because God loves us. God's placed us into his family. We should never want to hurt our heavenly father. So maybe you're here today and you've forgotten about that. You forgot about the love of God. It's not, it's not, it's not real to you anymore. Well, let me tell you something. You've got to get back to that first love. That's what John later reminds us of. And maybe you're here and, and you, 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 you find yourself in, a, in, a, in despair, discouragement, and, and you've almost forgotten this. Behold, God loves you. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you. Maybe you're here and you've really never received the love of God. You've heard about it. Maybe you're religious. But you never really had a relationship 
with God. You never received Him as your Savior. You've never been placed into His family. It's not real to you. Maybe today is the day you ought to do that. The love of God is for you. Uh, Romans 5.8 teaches us this. Maybe you're here and you're living a worldly life. You're not purifying yourself. You're not being like Jesus now. One day you're going to be like Him. You're saved. You're a Christian, but you're not living like Him now. Well, let the love of God purify you. I, I, I love this song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Uh, Rebecca and I sing it sometimes. And I like the first verse. It says this, and we'll, we'll close. The musicians are coming. Brother Andy's coming. It says, How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns His face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. How many say you're so glad today that God loves you? Let's pray. Dear God, we cannot thank You enough for Your love. Lord, it's beyond our description. Lord, I know we've done a poor job trying to describe it here today, but God, we are so grateful and thankful for it. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't allow things to get our focus off of your love and that you love us. Lord, let this devil tell us that you don't. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to always remember you love us. Lord, I pray we'd be encouraged in that fact. Lord, I pray that if there's any here today, Lord, that don't know you as their Savior, that have never been placed in your family, God, I pray that today would be that day that you would save them. 